0: Welcome to episode 184 of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast for August 31st, 2011. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. In this week's episode of the Fredcast, which seems to be all about safety, a mother gets in trouble for allowing her daughter to ride her bike to school. A Mexico City radio host says, flatten cyclists teens in St. Louis targeting cyclists, California cell phone band to extend the cyclist, new products and much more. In professional cycling news, it's all Radio Shack all the time. Mark Cavendish loses his lead out man and Alberto Contador's hearing set for November. Plus, a Eurobike report from Carlton Reed and Tony farrelly So sit back, relax, and if you're riding your bike camera just a little bit harder because here comes the Fredcast. Hey, welcome in fellow Freds. It's great to have you back here with me. This is David, your host of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. Great to be back here with you. It's showtime. We've got a great Eurobike report coming up after the news, and of course, Innerbike is here as well. I'm gonna do as much as I can to bring you up to date now, keep you up to date all throughout the show season. Before we get into all of that, I would be remiss if I didn't thank our show sponsor, JensenUSA.com. Go to JensenUSA.com slash The Fredcast, where they are having their summer end clearance sale. This, my friends, is the sale that you have been waiting for. There are discounts in every department, and you are sure to find a deal on anything that's been on your list all summer long. Plus remember, it's back to school and you can find a lot of great back to school items at jensenusa.com. Plus at this time of year they're offering all kinds of deals for free shipping and closeouts This is going to be the JensenUSA.com sale of the year, so don't miss it. Go to JensenUSA.com slash TheFredCast or click that JensenUSA banner link on the right-hand side of TheFredCast.com to take you to their summer end clearance sale. Remember, I've told you for a long time, JensenUSA is where you're going to find the best selection, the best prices, and the best customer service. We thank JensenUSA.com so much for their support of the Fredcast. Head over there right now for their summer end clearance sale and support JensenUSA.com. I know that many of you in the audience became cyclists because when you were kids, elementary and junior high school, you used to ride your bike to school and you, from that experience, gained a love of being on two wheels. Well, in Tennessee, Elizabethton, Tennessee, there's a woman, Teresa Tryon, who is an avid cyclist who... Well, she allows her daughter to ride her bike to school. Well, on August 25th, her 10-year-old daughter, her fifth grader, returned home with a police officer who told her that in his judgment, it was unsafe for her daughter to ride her bicycle to school. Now, Ms. Tryon called the mayor's office and the chief of police in order to find out what exact laws there were that her daughter was breaking by riding her bicycle to school. She found out that indeed her daughter wasn't breaking any laws, but that it may be Ms. Tryon who is breaking the law by allowing her daughter to ride to school. You see, the police believe that it's unsafe for her daughter to be out on the street on a bicycle, which is legal according to the state of Tennessee, and as a result are considering reporting her to Child Protective Services. So, according to the reports that I've read, the issue here isn't that her daughter may be breaking the law because she's riding her bicycle to school, because clearly the law protects cyclists uh, and their right to access to the streets, but instead they're claiming that the mother here may be guilty of child neglect. Now, I grew up in sort of a small town. You you may have heard of it, Um, and if you haven't, that's okay. It's called Los Angeles, California. I went on Wikipedia and i noted that in 1970 the city of los angeles had a population of about 2.8 million and in 1980 a population of just under 3 million now those are the years during which i was in elementary school towards the latter part of that thank you very much and so elizabethan tennessee you know because it's so much larger than los angeles was then i cert- oh wait a minute elizabethan tennessee according to the 2010 census, only had a population of 14,000, give or take, residents. Why is it, therefore, that you think that it was okay in the 70s and 80s for my friends to be able to ride their bikes to school when they're in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and later, but with, with about 3 million people out on the roads? But in Elizabethton, Tennessee, with a population of 14,000 it's infinitely more dangerous and constitutes child neglect for this woman to allow her daughter out on the road. Oh, wait a minute. I know why. Cars are much more dangerous today. They, 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 the, the tire technology isn't as good. The, the visibility is, is definitely worse. The, the braking systems aren't... Oh, wait a minute. No, no, we have better cars today. Uh, oh, I know what it is. There aren't enough laws on the books protecting cyclists, right? We, we don't have bike lanes. Uh, and we don't have three. Fo- oh, wait a minute, we do. I'm flummoxed. I simply don't understand why it is that allowing a fifth grader to go on her bicycle to school constitutes child neglect. If you've got an idea, I'm happy to listen. Well, on the other hand, I could understand if Ms. Tryon's daughter was riding her bicycle to school in Mexico City, why people might be a little bit concerned. And that's because there's a bit of a war of words going on in Mexico City about the rights of cyclists versus the rights of drivers. And this is all started by a radio host, actually an economic analyst radio host, Ángel Verdugo. He's a commentator on the Mexico City radio program Reporte 98.5, 98.5, when he mentioned recently that he had had some negative encounters with cyclists, two of whom he said were quote-unquote arrogantly disobeying traffic laws, and they nearly crashed into his, using his term again, modest Peugeot 206. As a result, he feels that Mexico City's drivers should take it upon themselves to rid the capital of the scourge of cyclists by, quote, flattening, unquote, unquote, those that get in their way. Now, Mexico City has a bike-sharing program, much like many of the cities, uh, the major cities across the world are adopting. It's called the Eco Bike-Sharing Program. It was launched last year, and according to Verdugo, people who use that program are, quote, a plague, unquote. He says they think of themselves as Europeans. They think they're French, and they think that they're in Paris, but they forget they're Mexicans with all that implies. That's a direct quote. He says, this new plague is going to cause major damage to Mexico City, and therefore, I ask you, please, throw your vehicle at them and flatten them. To their credit, the government of the city of Mexico City responded. Federal District Environment Secretary Martha Delgado responded for the Mexico City government saying, quote, the bicycle use is a sign of society's development adding that Verdugo's call to attack cyclists is, quote, a backward remark that it is an affront to the cyclist community and the citizens of Mexico City. So sort of in the TV guide uh, style, jeers to Verdugo and cheers to Ms. Delgado. Why is it, do you think, by the way, parenthetically, why is it, do you think that we see more and more radio hosts, television hosts, coming out so vehemently against cyclists. Look, I realize, I rail on this all the time, you need to stop at stop signs, you need to stop at red lights, you need to signal, you need to act predictably on the road. I travel all over North America Uh, in the past two years, I've also been traveling in Europe and Asia, and for the most part, I see you doing that. I see you riding responsibly. I see you doing the things that are necessary to show the motorist community that we have respect and that we honor our rights and responsibilities on the road. Yes, there are some of us who flagrantly and frequently flaunt the rules, but are those few, are those rule breakers enough to cause this kind of venom? This kind of negative reaction, coming from the popular media the way that it does, I, I'm, I'm at a loss. Uh, I'm a cyclist, and yes, I am also a motorist. Uh, I am also a pedestrian. I'm also the passenger in vehicles. I don't understand it. I don't get why all this venom. To say that someone should flatten a cyclist, to say that, someone, uh, that, that we're a scourge, uh, that someone should throw their vehicle at us, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And making matters worse, there's this. In the city of St. Louis, Missouri, there's an alert out for cyclists to be cautious for gangs of teens who are assaulting bike riders in South St. Louis. Trail not, excuse me, trailnet.org is an organization that promotes hiking and cycling, and they're cautioning cyclists to be on the alert for, these are their words, roving bands of teenagers who swarm and attack riders. The latest attack was last Thursday, August 25th, uh, near the Missouri Botanical Garden, where a group of about 10 to 15 teens charged and attacked cyclist Cheech Ramirez. He says, quote, They weren't really interested in robbing me. It just seemed like they wanted to beat me up. They weren't interested in letting me get off the ground and having a fair fight, unquote. Mr. Ramirez says that he and his friends returned to the scene minutes later to help another cyclist who was also being beaten. Now, St. Louis police say that there have been other similar attacks elsewhere in the city, and they think that all of the victims are being chosen at random. The mayor of St. Louis, Francis Slay, is calling for action, possibly with citizen bike patrols set up with the help of Trailnet and local police. So let this be a caution to all cyclists in and around the city of St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and note that if you should see a group of people uh, nearby who seem like they're going to swarm, or uh, if you've been attacked or witnessed someone being attacked or having been attacked, call 911. Certainly don't take the law in your own hands, but make sure that you're aware of your surroundings and that you report anything suspicious or any act of violence. I'm hoping that this gets taken care of very quickly. Meanwhile, down in the state of Victoria in Australia, a Melbourne area city council is pushing for laws that would make the wearing of high visibility clothing compulsory for all cyclists across the state. In the past five years, there have been 48 cyclist deaths. And last year, there were 237 bicycle accidents in the city of Melbourne. As a result, Deribin Council in the northern suburbs has asked Road Minister Terry Mulder to make high visibility clothing compulsory for all cyclists. According to John Thompson, senior manager of the Transport Accident Commission, or TAC, quote, wearing high visibility clothing is very important for cyclists because it helps other road users to see them. Unquote. For those of you within the city of Melbourne, According to a spokeswoman for the city, quote, the city of Melbourne is not considering any proposals to make high visibility vests compulsory for cyclists, unquote. So it seems it's just the suburbs where they're talking about it. Meanwhile, spokesman for Bicycle Victoria, Gary Brennan, felt that he doesn't think that cyclists should be made to wear high-vis clothing uh as a compulsory act, saying, quote, all it does is make you feel more visible, unquote, thereby giving cyclists a false sense of security. General Manager for Cycling Victoria Kip Kaufman said that high visibility vests are not necessarily going to help with safety issues, saying, quote, there's no link between cyclists wearing vest and safety, unquote. And while the use of high-vis clothing may be debatable as to whether or not it provides more safety for cyclists, there are very few who would disagree that riding at night without a light is an unsafe thing to do. Therefore, in the city of Cleveland, there is a foundation, the Sylvia Bingham Foundation, that honors the death of an avid cyclist when she was killed and struck by a truck in that city this foundation is going to fund the presenting of bike lights to cyclists riding at night without lights now this will be a surprise program and volunteers are going to surprise night cyclists by giving lights to those who don't have them however nobody is releasing the dates and times of the giveaway because well it's a surprise Donations up to a total of $2,000 are going to be matched by the Sylvia Bingham Foundation. And while the light sets normally cost about $35, thanks to the matching program and a grant from Portland Design Works, every $8 donated will get one of these $35 light sets. Joy Machines Bike Shop in Ohio City is coordinating the giveaway. They're going to stop cyclists who don't have lights. They're going to mount the lights on their bikes, and as they do that, they're going to give them some safe cycling tips. This is a great program. I'd love to see this in other cities, but meanwhile, if you're in the area and you feel like you'd like to donate, I do have a link in the show notes to how you can do that. By the way, in the press release announcing this program, Lois Moss, who's with Walk Plus Roll Cleveland, uh, wanted to point out that riding with lights at night is the law, saying, quote, "...the state of Ohio requires cyclists riding at night to use a white headlight and a rear flashing light. The mission is also to get motorists to be more aware and pay more attention to other road users." Although some motorists don't realize it, bicycles are considered legal vehicles in Ohio, amen, and have the same rights, rules, and responsibilities on the streets as other road users. This is a great program. Love to see it in some other locations as well. Continuing on our safety trend, we move to the state of California, where you may recall that in 2008, a law went into effect that told drivers of motor vehicles that they were not allowed to use handheld cell phones uh, to talk on them or to text on them while they were driving. They had to use hands-free devices. Now, the original bill was sponsored by State Senator Joe Simitian, a Democrat from Palo Alto. And a study, data from the California Highway Patrol, shows that there was a 20% reduction in fatalities and collisions in California in just the first year after the law took effect. And an immediate 40% drop in the number of accidents attributed to distracted drivers, people who are distracted by using cell phones. The original law, by the way, was originally intended to include cyclists, but the final version only restricted the ban to motor vehicles. Well, last week, the California state legislator sent to Governor Jerry Brown, a bill that tightens up that law and brings the ban on cell phone use to cyclists as well, providing stiffer penalties for motorists and also now providing a ban for cyclists from talking or texting on a cell phone without a hands-free device. Now, as opposed to the proposal that I mentioned earlier about the high-vis clothing in Australia, in this case, cycling advocacy groups are not fighting this Van As an example, Andy Clark, the head of the League of American Bicyclists, as you know, the cycling lobby in Washington, D.C., says, hey, talking or using a cell phone, whether you're driving or riding a bike, either way, it's just a bad idea. He says, quote, we can and should be held to the same standard as people driving cars. One needs to be paying attention, both hands on the handlebars. It doesn't cause me any heartache to see that bill passed. My hope is that it will be enforced vigorously. Unquote. Now, for motorists, the fines for a first offense will be going up to $50 from $20 and $100 for subsequent offenses. Now, if you combine that with court costs and various fees, the total cost for a first offense would rise from an average of $189 to $309. For those of us on bikes, get caught talking or texting on your cell phone, $20 for a first offense and $50 thereafter. I see no reason, considering the fact that I don't think this bill has much uh, opposition, I don't see any reason why Governor Brown won't sign it, and it soon will become law in the state of California. I talked earlier in the show about the success of the bike share program in Mexico City, crazy radio host notwithstanding. But I've also talked here in the show about the success of the Capital Bike Share in Washington D.C. As you may have heard, Washington D.C. experienced an earthquake last week, and after the earthquake, the roads were jammed. The metro system, their the subway system, the mass transit system slowed down for safety reasons, but cycling, specifically using the Capital Bike Share program, flourished. According to Capital Bike Share, they recorded over 1,200 rides between 2 and 4 p.m., in other words, right after the earthquake, more than three times the number for the same period on the previous day. According to the article I read, what's what makes that even more impressive is that on that day, there were only 1,100 capital bike share bikes in the entire system. The last time, by the way, that we saw a spike in capital bike share use in Washington, D.C. was on the night that it was announced that the United States had uh, taken down Osama bin Laden. On that night, everyone wanted to flock to the White House to be a part of this history-making event, and use of the capital bike share system spiked then as well. What's interesting is uh, residents of Washington, D.C. are also reporting, not just D.C., but the local surrounding communities of Arlington and, and Alexandria as well, The residents there are reporting that there is a greater awareness of cyclists on the road and that pedestrians, motorists, and cyclists are getting along better today than they were before the Capital Bike Share System went into use. I was in Washington, D.C. over the weekend, uh, of course, when we had Hurricane Irene roll through, and I have to tell you that uh, what is amazing to me, uh, not during the hurricane because... uh, Intelligently, they shut down the capital bike share system. They didn't want people on bikes on wind blown rain soaked perhaps flooded streets that maybe didn't have lighting because the electricity was out. But on Friday and Saturday before the hurricane rolled through, it came through in the afternoon and evening hours and on Sunday, as the skies cleared, it was amazing to me to see the number of people using the system, certainly tourists who are in town, but because the National Park Service hasn't really taken to the idea of setting up bike share stations on their property, you don't see it as much along the mall and places like that. But certainly you do see tourists using it, but residents as well, people in business suits with their briefcase in the basket along the handlebars. This is a system that clearly works in a city that could use less traffic less pollution and more people on bikes. I'm hoping that D.C. becomes a model for other cities as well. For me when I'm in town, which will be more frequently in the future now that uh, my daughter is living there, uh, I'll be using the system because uh, I used it in Montreal. I've used it in D.C. It's the same system. It works great. The bikes are fun and easy to ride and it's a great way to get around town without going underground and using the Metro, and without getting in a 3,000-pound motorized death trap. So kudos to DC. If you're ever there, give it a try. Let me know your thoughts on using the system. I do have a couple of new products to tell you about today. Again, it's showtime. Lots of new products are coming out this time of year, so you should be hearing more of these on the Fredcast over the next few weeks. But first... Uh, is a product from Product Architects. Those are the makers of the Insulated Polar Bottle. They've added a few new limited edition bottles to their online store, but the one that I wanted to tell you about today is their Star Spangled Bottle, which was specifically developed to honor the upcoming 10th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. The bottles designed with a star-spangled flag graphic, available in 20 and 24-ounce sizes, and it's available on their website for between $13.99 and $14.99. Now, they do have other limited edition bottles available, including five back-to-school designs, as well as a snowflake-covered blizzard edition and a heart-adorned love bottle. According to Judy Amabile, president of Product Architects, and Judy, I hope I didn't just just completely butcher your last name, quote, we're always coming up with new limited edition bottle graphics. Given the significance of 9-11, we thought our customers would like a patriotic bottle choice right now. And of course, the back-to-school bottles are perfect for fall as well. For more information, go to polarbottle.com, and there is a link in the show notes. Also on the new product front, it looks like 2012 is going to be the year of the pedal-based power meter. Now, we talked about this last year and I think even the year before at Interbike as Look talked about partnering with Polar for uh, pedal-based power meters and Garmin last year making the announcement of their purchase of Metro Gear. Well, Garmin was out of the chute first with their announcement announcing the Garmin Vector pedal-based power meter. Followed shortly thereafter by the announcement from Look of the Look K.O. power pedal. The two systems, pardon the pun, look very, very similar. And there's a reason for that. Again, the Look K.O. power pedal uses the Look K.O. body. And interestingly enough, the Garmin Vector uses a K.O. compatible pedal. They look very similar, the two systems. Both systems have power measuring technology in the axle of each pedal. Both systems transmit that data wirelessly to a head unit. Both systems are able to advise on not only your power, your total power, but also the difference between the power output of your right leg versus your left leg so that you can ensure that your power transmission is balanced as you're pedaling on each side. What's interesting, though, is that Garmin is choosing to continue to use the Ant Plus technology. Ant Plus is widely used by a variety of people within the the sporting world, not just within cycling. And certainly, Garmin has endorsed Ant Plus and you'll be able to get the readout from your Vector pedals right onto your Garmin head unit, for instance, the Edge 800. Meanwhile, on the look side, and by the way, if since Garmin is using Ant Plus, it stands to reason that any other Ant Plus based system should be able to collect that data. So whether you're reading it out on your iPhone uh, or some other Ant Plus receiver, of course for your iPhone you'd have to use an Ant Plus receiver, but there's plenty of those out there, you'd be able to get that on that head unit. You don't necessarily have to use a Garmin head unit. Meanwhile, on the look side, they're using the wind wireless Transmission system, and for them that means that right now you'd only be able to read that out on a polar computer. Now, Look has not yet uh, determined or announced the price of the Look KO power pedal. Garmin has, with a price point of about fifteen hundred dollars. We talked about this on the spokesman about a week and a half ago, with all of us feeling that those price point, at least that price point from Garmin, seems a bit pricey. I'm curious, therefore, to see where Look comes out and to see whether or not they're going to come out at a lower price point to try to gather or try to gain more market share. I'm sure we'll learn more at Interbike, and I'll bring you that information as I get it. And one more product announcement for you today. This one also from Garmin, as they've just announced the Garmin Edge 200 bicycle computer. This is an entry-level budget GPS-based bicycle computer, something for someone who's not interested in heart rate, power, cadence monitoring, simply wants to get your typical time, speed, and distance, and also be able to record a GPS track for perhaps upload, uploading to uh, uh, one of the Garmin sites, or perhaps MapMyRide, or one of the others. According to Dan Bartell, Garmin's Vice President of Worldwide Sales, quote, The Edge 200 was designed for those budget-conscious cyclists looking for the basics, speed, distance, time, and calories. With no setup or sensors required, simply switch on, press start, and go. The Edge 200 adds so much to your ride that no ride will ever be the same again, unquote. Now, according to the company, battery life is about 14 hours, The unit weighs just about two ounces, and if you consider the fact that you've got no sensors that you need to configure, no ant plus speed or cadence, that it's all done by GPS, you can imagine that for somebody who's looking for a simple setup, something that can be moved from bike to bike without wires or batteries, additional batteries other than recharging the unit, this might make a certain amount of sense. Suggested retail price, about $149 US. And yes. There is a link in the show notes. On August 13th, 10-year-old Cully Larson's BMX bike was stolen out of the garage of his home in Albert Leigh, Minnesota. Now, most kids, they'd get upset, they'd uh, save their money, they'd ask their parents for a new bike. In Cully's case, he did something else. He wrote a letter to his local newspaper, and that letter went viral. Here's just a part of his letter in his own words. This
1: past Saturday, someone stole my bike out of my parents' garage. I love this town and I, bike please bring it back. I'm willing to use some of my own money that I have saved as a reward to get my bike back. I hope 10 other kids also get their bikes back. If they do, we can have a celebration and call it get your bike back day. It would be the best day ever. I have said a little prayer for my bike. I also ask God to help someone to make the right decision. I love my God. I love my family. I love my bike.
0: And you know what, Cully? I think we all feel that way. We love our families and we love our bikes. Well, Cully's letter went viral. It went all over the internet. You may have seen it and there were people searching for his bike and offering to buy him new bikes websites and news outlets and good morning america have published his letter and his story was all over the internet according to his parents mike and vicky they they have the money they can buy him a new bike but that isn't the point they don't want their son to learn that that's the way to solve a problem certainly one like this instead They're urging people who want to buy him a new bike to buy a bike for a kid in the neighborhood who's had their bike stolen. According to Vicky, quote, everyone has a story of when they had a bike stolen when they were a kid. We've hit a nerve with a multi-generational issue. But someone who's always looking for a little bit of PR, Donald Trump decided to step in and he bought Cully a bike and he made sure that he bought him one that was better than the $460 bike that he had. Still, A great heartwarming story of a kid who just wanted someone to do the right thing and wrote a letter urging them to do so. All of it simply wrapped around his love for his family and his love for his bike. Now before we move on to the professional cycling news, I wanted to give you an announcement from our friends at Ciclismo Classico. You'll recall that they're the folks with whom I went to Italy recently for the Maratona of the Dolomites. An amazing trip. Uh, and made just spectacular by the folks at Chiclismo. Well, they've got a new tour coming up in November, November 5th through the 11th, to Gran Canaria in the Canary Islands. Now, Gran Canaria is uh, part of the Canary Islands. Canary Islands are a territory of Spain. And apparently, this is one of the hottest spots for European cyclists who want a great year-round cycling destination. And apparently, from what I understand from the folks at Chiclismo, it's one of the favorites of Chiclismo guides as well. So they're bringing this tour uh, to their customers, to you now. Uh, apparently, you can ride in the Canary Islands year-round, and it's just a great place to extend your riding season, do a training, tip, a training trip, or, or really just to discover a new place to ride. Uh, they say the island has dramatic landscape, silky smooth roads and that this is going to be one of what they call their more for less biking tours, meaning that you're going to be pedaling through the Canary Islands at a great price. And as a matter of fact, because this November 5th through the 11th trip is their maiden voyage, they're going to offer you $300 off this incredible week. Again, it starts on November 5th. Temperatures should be right around the upper 70s, so it should be great, but space is limited to just 18 people. So if you are looking For just the perfect opportunity to go for a wonderful tour before your Thanksgiving holiday or before the Christmas holidays roll around, give Chiclismo Classico a call. Of course, you can go to ciclismoclassico.com. You can give them a call at 800-866-7314 or you can click on the link in the show notes. If you do call them about this tour or any other, please do me a favor. Let them know you heard about it here on The Fredcast couple of race results to tell you about and i've got to say it's all radio shack all the time let's talk about the 2011 larry h miller tour of utah which concluded august 14th at the top of the snowbird resort at the top of little cottonwood canyon i had the opportunity that day to ride in the team car with the realcyclist.com professional team it was a great day 107 miles and over 11,000 vertical feet of climbing for the queen stage of America's toughest stage race, the Larry H. Miller Tour of Utah. And for the second time, Radio Shack's Levi Leipheimer walked away with the general classification victory. But it was a hard-fought battle on that last day as he had to defend against a hard-charging Colombian. Uh, named Luis Henao from the Colombian team Gobernación de Antioquia in Deportes. And by the way, that entire Colombian squad was made off, up of tough charging climbers while and now won the stage Leipheimer was just behind him with his teammate Yanni Brockovic in third, but it was Leipheimer who took the overall general classification in this year's Larry H. Miller tour of Utah. Second place in the final general classification did go to Hainau from Gobernacion, 23 seconds back. Third place in GC went to Jani Brokovic, 45 seconds back of his teammate, Levi Leipheimer. Fourth place, also from Gobernacion, 1 minute 54 seconds back was Oscar Sevilla. In fifth, it was Tommy Danielson from Garmin Zervelo, 3 minutes 49 seconds back, followed by Christian Vandeveld, Timothy Duggan, Pat McCarty. Lucas User, and Jeff Lauder. And it was Jeff Lauder taking home the best Utah rider jersey, Christian Montoya-Geraldo of Gobernacion with the best young rider jersey, and the team classification going to the Gobernacion squad. Just a few short days later, just a state away in Colorado, it was time for the inaugural USA Pro Cycling Challenge. For many cyclists, this was the highest road race that they have ever done. With stages going up above 11,000 feet, Frank Schleck from the Leopard Trek team indicating that The only time he'd ever been that high was in an airplane. And at the conclusion of the event, as the riders headed into Denver from Golden on the final stage of this year's USA Pro Cycling Challenge, once again atop the podium from Team Radio Shack, it was Levi Leipheimer winning the inaugural event in 20 hours and 24 seconds. Second place went to American Christian Vanderveld, 11 seconds behind Levi in third T.J. Van Garderen, also from the United States, just 17 seconds back of Levi Leipheimer. In fourth, Tom Danielson from Team Garmin Cervelo, 21 seconds back. And in fifth, rounding out the top five, full of Americans, George Hincapie from Team BMC, 53 seconds back. Leading into the inaugural USA Pro Cycling Challenge, there was a lot of speculation by folks about whether or not this would be a one-and-done kind of event. To be honest, the USA Pro Cycling Challenge changed its name a few times, changed its logo more than several times. Uh, title sponsors were shuffled. Uh, just a ton of press releases going back and forth to the media, and there was a lot of speculation about whether or not this would be a successful event. But if you looked at the crowds lining the roads for every single stage, and if you looked at the amount of, forget national, international media attention the USA Pro Cycling Challenge got. And of course, if you look at the field, Tour de France winner Cadell Evans, uh, guys like Frank Schleck and Jens Voigt and Andy Schleck, some of the best cyclists in the world, chose to skip events like the Vuelta a España going on right now uh, concurrently with uh, the start of the USA Pro Cycling Challenge. Seeing this international field come here, seeing the enthusiasm of the fans and the sponsors, and looking at the reaction as as the event came to a close, it seems pretty clear that, well, this one's not going to be a one and done, and looks like it is an event that has legs. Now, there are plenty of people who are starting to speculate as to whether or not the tour of Utah, uh, which I've expressed my concern for, with the advent of the USA Pro Cycling Challenge. Whether the Tour of Utah, the USA Pro Cycling Challenge, and I don't know, perhaps another event, perhaps in New Mexico, might be able to make up an American Grand Tour. I think at the moment that's pie in the sky and a lot of, uh, just well, a lot of speculation and desire. Uh, but let's let's see if we can get another year of the USA Pro Cycling Challenge, uh, a successful year behind us, another successful year of the Tour of Utah, And then I think that there might be a possibility for people to talk about it. But for now, a lot of excitement that uh, this year's USA Pro Cycling Challenge went off so well. So why have I said several times in the show, all Radio Shack all the time? Well, it's pretty simple. Levi Leipheimer won the Tour of Utah. Levi Leipheimer won the USA Pro Cycling Challenge. And Chris Horner won this year's Amgen Tour of California, a sweep for Team Radio Shack of the major American stage races. Meanwhile, speaking of speculation, there has been a lot of rumor floating around in the professional cycling press and perhaps a pro cycling peloton over the last few days about a rumor of an impending merger, a possible impending merger between Team Leopard Trek and Team Radio Shack. And the rumors would indicate that it would be Johan Brunil who would end up heading a merged team. Now, interesting about that is that that would bring together guys like Chris Horner, Yanni Brokovic, Levi Leipheimer, the Schlecks, Jens Voigt, O'Grady. Can you imagine the powerhouse team that would uh, uh, result from such a merger? So strong, in fact, that Alberto Contador was quoted earlier this week as saying that a merger of that caliber would make him nervous for, well, at least his team and his own chances uh, in the coming season. So far, these are just rumors, very much unconfirmed, disputed by many in both the Radio Shack and the Leopard Trek camp. But the indications are that there may be something to this. And as we learn more, I will keep you posted. And meanwhile, just to bring you up to date on where we are as of August 29th in the UCI World Tour rankings, sitting atop the rankings still, Cadell Evans from Team BMC, followed by Philippe Gilbert, then Alberto Contador, Michele Scarponi, Joaquin Rodriguez-Oliver, Sammy Sanchez, Frank Schlecht, Edvald Boasenhagen, Andy Schleck, and then Fabian Consolara. Well, the next major UCI event, in fact, the one that's going on right now, and I teased it a little while ago, the Vuelta a España, the final grand tour of the year that begins with the Giro d'Italia, then the Tour de France, and then the Vuelta a España. Vuelta a España goes from August 20th through September 11th this year, culminating a week from Sunday. The event currently being led by Bradley Wiggins after 12 stages having been completed. You'll remember that Wigo was one of the main contenders for the Tour de France this year. And I'll never forget Mark Cavendish when he learned of Wigo's need to pull out of the 2011 Tour de France. Mark Cavendish just repeating over and over that he was gutted for Bradley Wiggins. Looks like Wiggins is on the march once again and currently leading this year's Vuelta a España. I will have final results and a wrap-up for you on the next episode of the Fredcast. Speaking of Mark Cavendish, it was announced a couple of weeks ago that Team HTC High Road would likely not be returning with a men's squad in 2012, primarily due to the issue of not being able to find enough sponsorship dollars to keep the team going. I know, amazing when you consider the number of uh, stages that Mark Cavendish won and the success that Team HTC High Road had, for instance, in this year's Tour de France. Well, one of the things that allowed, one of the people that allowed Mark Cavendish to do as well as he did this year and in years past was his lead-out man, Mark Renshaw. Well, with the coming demise of Team HTC High Road... Renshaw and Cavendish needed to find a new team for the 2012 season and beyond. And the rumors are and continue to be that Mark Cavendish may be going to Team Sky in Great Britain. And so everyone assumed Renshaw would be going along with him because Renshaw is a large part of what has enabled Mark Cavendish to win so many stages. However, It was learned just a couple of weeks ago that Mark Cavendish's lead-out man, Mark Renshaw, has signed a two-year deal not with Team Sky, but with Team RoboBank. Renshaw quoted as saying, For many years I helped others to win. Now I'm going to try to win some of the biggest competitions for myself. What does that mean? Well, it means that when we start looking at bunch sprints at the end of stages. Instead of Mark Renshaw leading out Mark Cavendish, Mark Renshaw is going to be going for the victory himself. And now at the risk of sounding like a broken record, as if there's anybody listening who knows what that is, uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport has finally set the date for the Alberto Contador doping hearing. Date now, November 21st through the 24th. Now you remember the 28 year old Alberto Contador, former winner of the Tour de France, originally had his hearing set for June and before the Tour de France in 2011, but then it was delayed until August, and now it is set for November 21st through the 24th. For those of you who don't remember, Alberto Contador is going in front of the Court of Arbitration for Sport because He had a positive doping test during the 2010 Tour de France for clenbuterol. He claimed that the clenbuterol, which is a zero-tolerance banned substance, came from some tainted Spanish beef that he ate. He was exonerated by the Spanish Cycling Federation, but the World Anti-Doping Agency and cycling's governing body, the UCI, appealed, saying that they felt that the Spanish Federation's decision was politically motivated. So we have a new date, assuming it doesn't change. At some point in November, we'll have the hearing and then hopefully shortly thereafter, a final resolution in this case. And finally, along the same lines, this press release on August 29th from the UCI stating that the Cycling Anti-Doping Foundation has received the complete and final results of the doping test carried out at this year's Tour de France. The last samples were received from the now infamous Chateaune-Malabry Laboratory, as well as the Lausanne and Cologne Laboratories, all of them showing negative results. Pat McQuaid, the president of the UCI, was quoted as saying, This is excellent news and that it further highlights the quality of the various anti-doping measures brought in by the UCI in recent years, especially the introduction of the biological passport. It also indicates that there has been a change of mentality and behavior within the peloton. Our sport is on the right track, and we will continue to use all means available to protect it. Some good news and a great piece of news on which to end this week's news for the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. Well, before we get to this week's features, I wanted to talk to you about our good friends at Epic Planet. Go to epicplanet.tv fredcast where you're going to find two of the latest DVDs from this company whose products you know I believe in. As you know, Epic Planet puts together the Epic Rides series of DVDs. Great cycling training DVDs with that. Just the gorgeous, cinematography, the beautiful settings, and the great dashboard all on your screen while you are just sweating away on your indoor trainer. And they've got two new titles. Epic California Mount Baldy. It takes you on a virtual training ride on an extremely challenging and gorgeous route out of the Los Angeles County City of Glendora. The route for this ride matches the grueling last half of this year's Stage 7 of the Amgen Tour of California, and it will also be featured by Rafa Sportswear as part of their noted Continental Tour. It includes over 6,000 feet of climbing with grades between 7 and 10%, and maximum grades of 15%, and it finishes at the top of Mount Baldy Road, a beyond-category climb that's been compared to the epic stages of the European Grand Tours, and Epic San Diego Great Western Loop, an extremely popular training ride for lots of hardcore and competitive cyclists in and around Southern California. On this one, you'll join three local cyclists uh, on a 42 mile, 3,000 foot climbing route that loops through the beautiful mountains and canyons east of San Diego. The ride contains two climbing and two interval segments for a well rounded, challenging workout. Now, Normally, if you got both DVDs, you'd be paying a bit of money. But thanks to Epic Planet and their exclusive FredCast bundle, you'll get both DVDs or both downloads and save $20 off of list price. So both DVDs, Epic California Mount Baldy, an Epic San Diego Great Western Loop for just $39.95 or the digital downloads for just $29.95. Go to epicplanet.tv fredcast to take advantage of the special fredcast pricing or go to thefredcast.com fredcast.com and click the Epic Planet link on the right-hand side of the page. We thank Epic Planet for their support of the fredcast and we thank you for your support of Epic Planet. Well, as I mentioned several times before in the show, it is trade show season in the bicycle industry. And that generally kicks off in Friedrichshafen, Germany with the annual Eurobike trade show. Now, I remember years ago when Interbike was the global trade show in the industry. As a matter of fact, Interbike is celebrating the 30th anniversary of that iconic trade show. We'll be there in a couple of weeks and bringing you coverage from there. But I remember, it wasn't more than 20 years ago, when there was an upstart in the industry. Uh, At the time, there were two main European trade shows. There was the Milan show and the Frankfurt show, and uh, they would... Uh, alternate years one year you'd go to Milan the next year you'd go to Frankfurt and then came this upstart Eurobike that showed up in Friedrichshafen in the beginning nobody felt that there was uh, that 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 show would have much of a future but soon enough the Milan show and the Frankfurt shows fell by the wayside Eurobike became the dominant European show nowadays it appears that a lot of companies especially European companies are introducing their new products at Eurobike and not waiting for Interbike. Well, we had the opportunity to have our friend Carlton Reed from BikeBiz.com and QuickRelease.tv sit down with Tony Fairley from Road.cc while at the Eurobike trade show, they had a little bit of a chat about what they had seen and what would be upcoming at this year's Eurobike trade show. So here are our friends Carlton and Tony bringing you the news straight from the floor at eurobike take it away carlton
2: yeah yeah thanks david uh, yes i'm here at uh, in eurobike in the show halls it's it's later evening uh, we've all been at the the demo day in uh, about 45 minutes from friedrichshafen and uh, we've now come back and i'm i'm working on uh, the show daily newspaper so we're putting stories to bed uh, late at night and uh, i'm actually standing here with with tony Farrelly, of uh, Road CC, who, of course, has been uh, on the spokesman before, and uh, Tony has been at the show today, Mm -hmm. uh, the actual show halls, Mm -hmm. and uh, while we've all been sunning ourselves and enjoying ourselves out in in Ratson Reed. So, Tony, welcome to David's uh, The Fredcast Show. Now, What have you seen today? that I haven't seen because I've been out in the, in the, the boondocks.
1: Well, I've seen uh, a new magnesium bike, or in fact, a whole range of magnesium bikes from um, Seagal, I presume uh, judging by the sign um, and their promotional literature are a German brand, quite a big stand uh, next to Ridley. Um, very interesting to see magnesium uh, back. And as I say, a full range, road and mountain, a very, very green road bike. Which we were um,
2: quite interested to see. Magnesium's had a checkered history of the bike. It's kind of like rots. (laughs) (laughs) So this bike isn't going to rot.
1: Well, apparently not. I mean, it's because we're here on the day when they're setting up. It's quite hard to ask people about that. So it's more Mm. going around, looking at stuff, uh, spotting things for future reference in the coming days to go back and look at. But magnesium, no, Uh, they've got a big sign. It's lighter. It's stronger. It's this. uh, All those things that magnesium has always said it's be. uh, It it would be, um, and I'm sure there are people out there who've still got Kirk Precision who would say, what do you mean it rots? Mm. Um, So we'll see. As I say, very interesting to see. It's not something I particularly
2: expected to see here. Um, they were here last year, but it's the same company. They were at the demo day. Ah, uh, right. And uh, I believe they're partly Israeli-owned. Okay. And the, 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 the Israeli magnesium.
1: Oh, I was going to say, is there a lot of yeah, <laughs> yeah, magnesium it's, in it's, that, know, a, Israel? So yeah.
2: It could be a different one.
1: Oh, uh, no, be. it sounds like it might well be the same one. I assume they were German, but um, it sounds like it might be the same one. But it was quite a big stand, so mm. they're obviously
2: going for Well the, it. the trouble at Eurobike and like Interbike and like mm. any show is you go on the booth and you say, mm. This is your first time here, mm. you are new, new yeah. and everything is new. And yeah. Everything is innovative yeah. and everything's yeah. the lightest everything's mm-hmm. the most powerful. And everything mm-hmm. is the, mm-hmm. you've got to really drill down to find out yeah. you know, yeah. have you been here before? Yeah. 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 What are you yeah. Here? Yeah. They, yeah. they tell porky spaces. Yeah
1: and, and you've got to say when uh, a show of this size you know is of this size and mm. they've got what
2: over a thousand exhibitors mm. there's actually you know a lot of them are going to be here before Oh, well, we're getting the show moved for us as we speak. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, uh, It's a I, big show. It's, it is, it's massive. It is
1: a big show. Um, and obviously, as I tell you, it's always getting bigger. Though mm. This is one of the few years I haven't built a new hall. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but even so, yeah, it's still impressively large mm. uh, and almost, you know, too large to get around in, in a week. I mean, we come for a week. But you've brought also a lot of people, so... We have brought a lot of people, and we would hope to... Um, Extract all the juice that we possibly can, Uh, and as I say, a quick walk of the hall as people are building up has, Mm. you know, revealed more than enough stories for us to to keep us going for a
2: day I should so think what, are, what about your, your guys who went to the outdoor show to the, to today outdoor, demo. Um, what did they see
1: um, well we had already spoken to Canyon uh, and they had a new al- aluminium bike but actually we also saw a new steel bike and one of the things that we've been talking about in the run up to Eurobike was we expected to see more steel road bikes mm. or, You know, proper, not retro bikes but actual people building in steel yeah. again uh, and you know that seems to have been borne out, or seems to be born borne out. And, mm. um, Steel seems to be making something of a comeback. Mm. Saw that. Um, obviously, they saw the string bike.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know what else you can say. It is actually a string bike. So, <laughs> There's always been one wacky product yeah, of the show. That, like I a think, strange saddle or just something mm, odd mm, 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 you mm, can talk about. And then go on to the more serious stuff. Indeed. Indeed.
1: Um, Actually, I'm just trying to think what else they saw at the show, because I actually haven't had a chance to even read the story they just posted um, from the demo day, because I've been, as I say, walking around the halls here.
2: Vittoria, the Vittoria radial radial tyres? there's a new tyre, yeah, yeah. That was very cute, actually. Radial, obviously, is on all car Mm -hmm. tyres, and there's Mm -hmm. all sorts of performance advantages to having it. And it's good to see it in a... There's a 22 mm. and a 25. They've just gone without the 23. Because they say there are benefits but to having what's this. What's the benefit of a radial to a
1: bike? Of a radial tyre to a bike? in term, when it, With a a, a wheel that's got such a tiny mm. contact patch. Mm. Um, you'd have to ask. <laughs> and if, well, if there was a benefit, why hasn't anybody done it before? Because it's not like the radial tires. a radical new no, invention. No, no, there's,
2: there's all sorts of companies that have done it. Mm. But then they never actually... Get anywhere with them. right, right. So, and there's a couple of stories actually in the, the Eurobike Show Daily about radial tires oh, okay. at the show. It's just so it happens that this one was actually at yeah, the, the outdoor Dembe. element. Right, of it. right, right, right. Now, right. not road as such, mm. but one a product I saw which which uh, was really cute and just mm. because of the backstory mm. from it is a disc brake system for mountain bikes. Okay, designed by a 14 year old. Oh and wow. He's yeah. now eighteen, mm. and he's going to go to university. Mm. But this product could be seen on all mountain bikes within within two years wow. if they licensed the product. Right. they might, they might just, just try and sell the product, the whole system mm-hmm. by themselves. Mm-hmm. But if they licensed it, it would. Uh, and what's its, it would be brilliant. Uh,
1: what's its advantage over
2: conventional discs? <coughs> well, he's an engineer. Mm-hmm. This 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 lad. His dad owns a bike shop, or owned a custom built bike yeah, right. shop in, uh, in uh, Tübingen mm-hmm. in Germany and he just he's a mountain bike rider and he thought I could I could do a better one than this and he designed a brake booster mm-hmm. to, to, to get the speed and the power right. of the pistons hitting that those pads and it's actually been tested by Velotech mm-hmm. which is the the German yeah. testing house mm-hmm. and they've said this is the most powerful braking system we've ever tested wow. and you know you get these small mm. s- stubby levers mm. this genuinely is a one finger <laughs> activation system wow it's very cute the whole bunch of uh, german brands are mm-hmm. going to be specking it a lot of other brands will will spec it on rental bikes mm. next year but if only they could actually sell this license this technology i think it would be on lots and lots of bikes and, so uh, do
1: you have, and is it a cross I mean is it the sort of thing you could see on commuter bikes or anything or is it
2: yeah you could you really yeah. could I mean you don't have to have the whole system mm-hmm. you know it's his brake booster is the it's the, the booster thing. right you know you can use any he's he's got his own mm-hmm. they've got their own um, pads and their own yeah. disc but you could use it with with it's the other idea companies. That, yeah, that counts yeah so that's one to keep an eye on if you're into mountain bikes mm-hmm. but as you say for city bikes too yeah this is a product that could be on lots of places, In cross bikes. Yeah, well, that let's would face be, it. We yeah. now have, yeah. we now have discs on cross, so it could be there too. Indeed. So, what else do you think is going to be at the show?
1: Well, we were talking about. You were just mentioning city bikes. Mm. Uh, I think we're going to see. Well. Um, the halls so i know we're going to mm. see mm. a lot of urban bikes um mm. a lot of actually uh black just they can't get away from black in urban bikes i mean mm. obviously Canon and has got the bad that's black the, uh, the yeah. bad
2: boy thing, the is bad it?
1: boy yeah. the bad boy is probably um if you think about it one of the most influential bikes of the last 10 years. Mm, there's um, colour and muted graphics and, and black and And yeah. uh, the whole thing discs on a, you know, discs on a, well, what's in, you know, morphed from being a, uh, a roadified mountain bike mm. um, or an mm. urban mountain bike. And they still kept with that. And as ever, Cannondale have got some interesting new stuff that they've done with that in terms of system integration, integrating. Mm. They've got some prototype uh, integrated mud guards with a sort of rack, Mounts on the front guard and on the rear guard, mm. which they've been working on with Kirana, um, the mudguard people. So that's very yeah, funnily enough. It's one of those things. It doesn't sound particularly sexy, mm. or but actually, when you look at it, it is very um, pleasing on the eye and useful. Mm. So uh, I like that. Um, they've right. got a new hooligan as well, which is right the mini bike or the. Is something that people keep saying. You're going to have to pardon me. He's going to be big, um, mm-hmm. but you know, I can see it's it hasn't gone away. So. Um I could see that it still has that potential as an urban bike.
2: Because Cannondale also had a recumbent back in the day. Well, so. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I mean, let's face it, the Hooligan in one form or another has been in their range now for mm. at least five years. Mm. So no, I'm not going to knock Cannondale yeah. we have got Peter yeah. Denkin in charge of design. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's. that's yeah, brilliant. no, I, I think it's a, that's a, a cracking bike. Um, but
2: Aero Road, because I've done a story in, a, in the show daily It's coming up uh, tomorrow or the next day about Aero said, Road.
1: We, you know, we expect to see lots of era road mm. with you know anyone who hasn't jumped on that bandwagon Cannondale hasn't and, and well they don't believe in it mm. fair dues to them mm. um, and you could say I mean funnily enough one of the things that raised a wry smile um, yesterday when we were preparing our sort of show preview was the light speed release um, actually it wasn't from Lightspeed it was from Evans who Mm. sell Lightspeed in the UK but talking about their semi-aero L series which they're going to be launching here Mm. Uh, and then you start thinking hmm (laughs) so that is really having your cake in eating because it's lightweight and it's Mm. Uh, uh, semi-aero I I mean uh, yeah I don't think that's... Well, I'm good, I look forward to seeing it, let's put it that way. But on the other hand, you, uh, you, know, you could all so, also say that we already have semi-aero bikes, and uh, things like the Madone, the last mm. series of Madone was... You know, obviously, some of the tubing there looked aero-optimised, even if they weren't selling it as an aero road bike. It can tend to be
2: fugly. Mm. An aero road bike. I mean, not the specialised. The specialised is, no, and the is Scott drop isn't. dead gorgeous. But uh, some, I mean, I won't name any brands from Canada well, but or
1: web Well, no, you see, I quite like that. Like I mean, that? if I was going to, I've got nothing against the, um, the brand from Canada. <laughs> mm. No, I think that's a, a purposeful looking machine. Um, if I was going to pick out any ugly bikes, um, I'd be looking to a country um, just across the lake from here. Though interestingly, um, they aren't here this year. I don't. I was looking at the BMC for it is they their stand, and there um, they were here at the demo day, were they? I yeah. didn't see as I was looking for the um, what are they called? The clamshell technology things or whatever it is. Um, that they had last year, hand built by robots. Yeah, really see them majoring on. Well, that that that, stand. that, that,
2: that ceased production, didn't it? They had yeah. they had technical problems well, with that. Well that, so. that's like, mm,
1: yeah. So mm. they're back on more conventional looking mm. bikes. But I mean, that was that was an ugly a bike. Mm. Everyone, and that was, I suppose, sort of aero road too. Mm. Would you say? Mm. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot more. We'll see more aero road. But, I mean, to be honest, it's been around for a while now. Six um, years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most people have got an aero road bike. In fact, really, you could argue that Scott were a bit late to the party, really. Mm. Um, though, actually, I quite like them. Like, I saw that in, in its green edge guise on, mm. the, on the Scott stand. Mm. Um, certainly be interested to see what it rides like. But, I mean, I, I was, I've got to say, we were discussing the whole aero road versus just having a light bike phenomenon mm-hmm. yesterday and it really is swings and roundabouts isn't it so car, you know the benefits to most of us must be tiny
2: well you so see you go very slow yeah, so true. probably the benefits but are, hey, i go very fast but, but so the hey, benefits are really they good give them me. to the sprint they give them to the sprinters
1: mark <laughs> <laughs> cavendish yeah. is on one yeah. and it can only be a bit of benefit to him for the few seconds yeah, at yeah. the end of the race he's actually in front but, but he's otherwise... an
2: aero guy, though. I mean, he's, he's, he's getting down on those, those bars. Yeah. He's really, really... He's, yeah, he he's got a tuck.
1: A, he would be an aero guy, whatever bike he was on, though. Mm. So I'm sure, essentially, for him, what counts is a stiff bottom bracket and... But it's the aggregation of
2: marginal gains isn't it so it's, marginal, the, it's a very marginal gain for well, one watt over 10 miles I mean, yeah, but that's it's save it's
1: not over 10 miles it's because <laughs> you're not get if you're riding in a in a group of people <laughs> you're not getting an error benefit are you because you're, you're sort of mm, churned
2: up that is anyway. the error benefit yeah, yeah that's yeah. what you should have by buy a peloton yeah, yeah you can yeah, ride yeah, around yeah, with yeah, a, yeah. a peloton in front of you yeah then you're fine yeah so
1: so I wouldn't even idea? want to be well, given that. Tell me, what, 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 um, what bikes do you think is a good-looking bike? What would you be your, your pick of a pretty bike, then? Because, I mean, a lot of people think the Pinarello Dogma is an ugly bike. Whenever we put a story up about the Dogma, mm. it gets more negative, comment, than positive. But mm. I wouldn't have said it was particularly ugly.
2: That, no, that's Special. I've got to admit, you know, I'm not, I'm not always a huge fan of Specialized, but, you know, that, that McLaren... Oh, right. See, I
1: think, yeah, that's, I think I actually prefer the Tarmac. I think the Tarmac's a better-looking bike than the the
2: Veng. Yeah, I suppose I was thinking, you know, if it's it's an aero bike, which of the aero bikes would I go for? Oh, okay, yeah. But then again, you've got the the Sean Kelly Vitus. Yeah, if I was going to go for an aero
1: bike, I'd say it has to be the Felt. I think that's a very handsome bike. Yeah. Uh, it's what a couple of years old now. In fact, I'd be interested to go down to the felt stand and see if they've revamped it for this year. Probably is just about
2: what's what's Colnago. Do you know anything Colnago? Because Coln- David is a Colnago writer uh, well, Colnago. Anything
1: else? Colnago had covers overall there, but the, uh, some, the Italians do that. to a yes. sense of show, sense of theatre. Yeah, um, and they had all had special black Colnago. It looked like a pack, like a I don't know, a herd of rocking horses mm. with branded Colnago. Made and in what? China
2: on the the cover, or it didn't say that. Didn't no. say, so? no. oh, yeah, okay, not okay. on all of them anyway.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> not on the C59s. <laughs> um, no, uh, so I don't know. And, uh, and Basso do the same. Basso have like lovely Italian flag mm. covers on theirs. Mm. In fact, I was trying to work out was half of theirs were like half on and half off, and I was trying to work out whether that was deliberate, deliberate looking, sort of slightly uncovered or not.
2: Well, it's getting on for late here. I'm sure you yeah. could sneak down and have a look at some of these. Well, bikes. I probably will in a minute. I've got to, I'm going to do a quick story
1: about the Pinarello. There's mm. a lovely pink and black Pinarello, mm. which does look like Rafa influenced, even. Rafa esque, it looks. You'd have to say. Had to happen, I suppose. Yeah. 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 They're out in the car park, too. So we'll mm. um, yeah. probably mm. over there for a coffee mm. at some point. But it's going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. It's always a big show. Yeah, it's a big show, yeah. By the end of the week, i will be very tired Yeah, and making very, very flippant remarks about bikes on the video.
2: But that's all part of the fun. It is. Yeah. It is. And then on Saturday, of course, it becomes a, a public a Public day, show, yeah. Which the next show is Interbike. Mm. And as of yet, they don't have a, a oh, right. public element yeah. to it so I've know, never the been trade. to Interbike All right. because we're more of a road
1: oriented website mm. actually sort of um, I can't can see less of a demand for us, and we're a European based website to go to Interbike mm. um, though I've always quite often think it's the sort of place you should go to at least once um, uh, no,
2: every year, I think. Oh, you should
1: should go to yeah, every year. Yeah. Well, I go to you, whereas I've always said you've got to go to Eurobike every year. I love Eurobike.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, right. Well, do both, you see. But it's, wow. they're, they're very close together this year. That's they the are very close, yeah. So Rich, who's another one of the guests on the Spokesman podcast, normally comes to, mm-hmm. to Eurobike, and he's the Interbike organiser. Right, right. And he can't come this year
1: right.
2: just because it's just the too, proximity yeah. is just too close. Mm-mm-mm. So we have got that problem. I mean, I've, I've got the personal problem of getting mm-hmm. home, yeah. spending a couple of days at home, and it's then flying close, out to Interbike again. Wow. So that's a, a tough one. Mm. But there's always stuff there that hasn't been here. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. There's always something. I and then there's, there's a rock shocks, you know, yeah. in the waiting yeah. 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 could be yeah. Yeah. launching yeah. it. But then at, you at know, it's
1: essentially a national. Uh, I mean, I'd view it as a national show. Mm. Um, but I just think that that the US being a huge market, it's a very, very, very important national show. Whereas mm. Eurobike is is a, the world show.
0: Yes,
2: it's it's certainly going that way.
0: Mm. Well, there you go, Carlton and Tony, sort of echoing what I had to say about Interbike and Eurobike. And gentlemen. Excellent job. Thank you very much for your reporting from Eurobike. Great to hear from you and looking forward to seeing you here at Interbike in just a couple of weeks. And with that reporting from Carlton and Tony, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. Before we go, however, just want to mention our advertisers and sponsors from this week's show, of course, starting with our good friends at JensenUSA.com. Go to JensenUSA.com slash the Fredcast, where they're having their massive end of summer sale stock up on all those items you've had your eye on because you're going to get them at the best prices of the year right now. And for those of you uh, whose kids are going back to school, great time to stock up on those back-to-school supplies as well. JensenUSA.com slash TheFredCast. Also, don't forget our friends at Chiclismo Classico and their tour of the Canary Islands and Gran Canaria. Go ahead and check that out at ChiclismoClassico.com. And finally, EpicPlanet.tv slash Fredcast, where you're going to be able to save $20 on a bundle of two great videos. Epic California Mount Baldy and Epic San Diego Great Western Loop. Save $20 on the bundle simply for being a Fredcast listener. Well, if you'd like to stay in contact with the Fredcast between shows, don't forget you can follow along on our Twitter feed. On Twitter, we're simply Fredcast, so twitter.com slash Fredcast. Of course, you can always send an email to thefredcast at gmail.com or go to our website at www.thefredcast.com. If you'd like, feel free to send us an audio comment. Simply call our Fredcast listener hotline at area code 661-513-FRED. That's 661-513-3733. And finally tonight, it's time for Podsafe Cycling Music. This week's Podsafe Cycling Music was chosen specifically for the Fredcast by CadenceRevolution.com, the home of the free weekly featured track and premium members content of weekly 30- and 60-minute cardio mixes and biweekly coaching tracks to get the world moving. For more information, go to www.cadencerevolution. Com. Tonight's Podsafe Cycling Music is by the band 1440. The song is called She Makes Me Believe. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for staying subscribed, and thank you for telling your friends about the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. We'll be back very soon with another episode of the show, but between this show and the next, enjoy the music, but most of all, Enjoy the ride.
1: electric love. Oh.